Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. They call us monsters takes viewers behind the walls of the compound, the facility where Los Angeles houses the most violent juvenile criminals. To their advocates, their kids, to the system, their adults, to their victims, their monsters. Three such young offenders sign up to take a screenwriting class to write a movie while they await their respective trials. Jared, who was arrested at the age of 16, faces 200 years to life for four attempted murders. Juan, who was arrested at 16, faces 90 years to life for first-degree murder, and Antonio was arrested at the age of 14. He faces 90 years to life for two attempted murders. We're going to leave it there because uh, it, that just, uh, I believe, is a good place to stop in terms of describing this terrific documentary called They Call Us Monsters. It will be uh, premiering, the U.S. premiere of this film at the L.A. Film Festival uh, the screening that uh, is not sold out, there's already one that has been sold out, is for Tuesday, June 7th at 4.15. That's at the uh, Arclight Theater in in Los Angeles. That's where uh, the L.A. Film Festival is screening most of its films. Um, well, anyway, with all that, the director is Ben Lear. And Ben, uh, we're honored in, uh, to have him join us today here on Film School. Ben, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'll just ask an obvious question. You know, how did you get involved with this idea, and and at what point did, was it uh, you decided that you wanted to turn it into a documentary film? Yeah, sure. So um, it all began a, l- a little over three years ago. I had an idea for a narrative film that I wanted to write that took place in a prison, and I knew probably as much as the average person about prison, which is not a lot. Uh, so I, I wanted to go inside and, and do some research. And Gabe Callan, who is the teacher in the class, right. was helping me out with that project. So the two of us met a guy named Scott Budnick, who is a major, major juvenile justice figure here in Los Angeles. And he took us on this whirlwind tour of juvenile facilities over the course of like two weeks. We went to six or seven different places. It was really crazy. Um, and it was through the course of that experience, sitting in on these writing classes, uh, getting to know these kids, um, especially, you know, the kids in the film that are in the compound. Uh, these are juveniles being tried as adults. And, and really, I mean, the, the, the essence of, of that experience that, that really drove me to make this film was having every expectation that I'd ever built up about violent offenders, about gang members, et cetera, et cetera, being overturned in a second when a group of kids walked into the room. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids who were excited to learn about themselves and about the world and questioning, you know, what they wanted to do with their lives and, and eager to figure it out, recognizing that they didn't know themselves well enough yet to even have an answer. Um, And, and then finally also admitting um, but hey, I may never get the chance mm-hmm. because these kids were being charged with really serious crimes and were facing up to hundreds of years in prison. Right. And so it was that really like that contrast right there that on the one hand, these were 
kids in the throes of self-discovery. And on the other hand, they were violent, violent offenders facing, you know, incredible amounts of time in prison. And, and I, and my own struggle in the moment and in the days following to reconcile those two things. Um, and then when I learned from Scott that there was a Senate bill in California coming out, uh, coming into the legislature in the next couple months, that was potentially going to give these kids a second chance, mm-hmm. but we didn't know if it was going to pass or not. I thought, okay, you know, maybe that, that scripted project can go on hold. And, and if I can just get a camera inside here right now, and start telling the story, you know, that could be something really special. So, so at what point, so you hadn't really made a conscious decision to make this into a documentary, even at that point, or? or I, 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 that had started, that the seed was planted in that classroom. Okay. And it was a certain, and I, I had still been thinking about this other project. Right. And it was really a moment where, where the, the calling to tell this particular story, the, the story that I was seeing in front of me that was immediate, that I could, start telling with a, with a, with a single camera, uh, that calling was just getting louder and louder. And at a certain point I heard the voice say, you know what, like you could actually just start shooting this right now, right. you know, and having, having never considered making the documentary in my life. Um, that was, that was never the intention. Um, yeah. it was just what presented itself. So <clears throat> we're in just the process of sort of, um, the, the, you focus on Jared Juan and Antonio. W- were there, a, a lot of other people that you had met and considered, or these, what was it that drew you to these particular individuals? So it was, um, we, we went into this facility with an organization called Inside Out Writers, mm-hmm. who was already there. They teach writing classes in juvenile halls. So we went through them to petition for a couple dozen kids who were students of that program casting a wide net, knowing that, knowing how difficult it was going to be to get the permission from all their respective, you know, powers that be, including their judges and lawyers and their parents. And of that pool that we, that we, uh, went for, we got like five or six approvals. Okay. And among those were the kids that ended up being in the film, you know, one, uh, was sent to adult prison before we even started shooting. Yeah. And then, you know, one, you know, so, so it, what, what originally was going to, was meant to be a much larger, uh, group of kids just because of the way that it worked out, uh, became something a lot more personal and intimate. The, The amazing thing though, is that just by chance, I knew Juan, Jared and Antonio and Daryl, uh, better than any of any other kids. Hmm. And they were, they were the ones that I was the most personally invested in from the beginning, just because I had, for whatever reason, spent more time with them. And the fact that they were the ones that came through, you know, makes me, it it, it feels very meant to be in that way. We're speaking with uh, Ben Lears. He's the director of They Call Us Monsters. It's a documentary, U.S. documentary competition at the L.A. Film Festival. It's premiering, uh, where it's premiering. And uh, there is a screening uh, f- that has not been sold out, and that's Tuesday. That's coming this Tuesday, June 7th, at the Arclight Theater. That's at a 4.15 screening. Are you there for uh, a Q&A on, on, on Tuesday? Or, or, or Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, there's, a, I, there's a whole bunch of things I want to dive into, and I, I like, I say, this is such, that's a hard word to use. I like the fact <laughs> that these particular individuals, Jared, uh, 
Juan and Antonio are they I think their stories are um are certainly a good encapsulation of the struggles that that a lot of other kids who are in these detention centers are facing the circumstances and and uh the the absolute de- absolute depressingly um uh outlook that they must have on life and the expectations for life that they must have uh, uh-huh. as well so i i think it's a it's an excellent cross section if you will a, a slice of that of that life um and also the familiar somewhat with all the things you were describing earlier which have to do with the system itself uh, having getting access i'm really very surprised i know that in federal prisons you and i thought in california prisons you're literally not allowed to go in there as a as a member of the press or or to get the access that you got uh, have things loosened up, or do I am I mis, misunderstanding the, the kind of the requirements that would allow you to get in there? Or what? How did that? You know, I know I, you mentioned. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't totally know how to answer that because I think I mean you're you're definitely right. I mean, the the bar to entry is is crazy. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of it had to do with timing. You okay. know, I I fell into this. Uh, I, I discovered this story at a, at a time when Scott, who was the one showing me around, yeah. uh, was able, for whatever reason, to really go to bat for this film. And I think, you know, I think he did really believe in the story and saw saw the relevance and the immediacy of following this uh, Senate bill as well as telling these kids' story. And he had a lot of connections with probation. Mm. I think it was essential that we had a good relationship with Inside Out writers. Yeah, uh, probation open their doors right away. They, they, you know, I give them a lot of credit. They were willing to, to put themselves on the line a little bit to tell this story. And in that, I mean, then, you know, the real challenge, like I was saying, was just getting actual approval from the kids judges. And that actually had everything to do with the fact that they were being tried as adults. The, the judge that, that, um, is overseas juvenile court. He said, he just gave me a blanket no for all the kids that were under juvenile court jurisdiction. Uh-huh. So it was only because these kids were being tried as adults and were being told by our legal system that they were, in fact, adults, yeah. that they would be under the jurisdiction of that system and the, their individual criminal court judges, which is really wild when you think about it. Um, that allowed us the opportunity to film with them when we probably never would have been able to otherwise. Right. Well, and, and... I there's a you just touched on I think w- what the heart of this of the film is is that these are these are kids and uh, yeah uh, Antonio was arrested at the age of fourteen the other two were arrested at the age of sixteen um, there it was a period of time going back to the mid nineties when in my opinion uh, the state of California and but mostly the nation went out of their minds in terms <laughs> of uh, in terms of prosecuting and convicting and sentencing uh, people. I mean, we go back to the three strikes laws, the mandatory sentencing, the federal guidelines, the drug war, all of it. And I think we now that California has passed some measure of reform on three strikes uh, and, uh, and a lot of other uh, mandatory sentencing provisions within our legal system, it does seem that there, the that this uh, punitive, excessively punitive mentality of our criminal court system is beginning to loosen up a little bit, and I wonder if that yeah. had a little bit of a bearing on just how how you're able to get in there and, and talk with these these kids. 
you know, death, I mean, you know, prior to, prior to falling into this, and I really describe it this way, as falling into this story, yeah. I didn't know where we were at in terms of our criminal justice system, in mm-hmm. terms of mass incarceration, one way or the other. But that's also because this was 2013, and the issue was just beginning to, to blow up mm-hmm. um, in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, the House I Live In is an incredible documentary that had just come out. I mean, yeah. I think that and, and Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, yeah, had exactly. just come out. Yeah. Uh, so there was this wave of information coming out, and, and we were starting to realize, like, oh, my goodness, how much money are we spending on incarceration? Uh, yeah. And so I, I don't think I was completely aware uh, of how much this issue was about to elevate in terms of, like, mainstream conversation and that's something you know i think we really were fortunate in kind of catching that wave and riding that wave and now we have this really unique uh vantage point and this really crazy access to a group of kids um that are very central to a hugely important debate going on in our entire country which is uh in the in the effort to to reform our systems um how are we going to change how we treat serious juvenile offenders? Right. I mean, and there are laws in every state in this country that are either being introduced or getting ready to be introduced because the Supreme Court has mandated that. The Supreme Court's released a number of rulings saying that kids are different from adults, and the states have to have to realize that, and they have to um, legislate according to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, something that gets me really excited about this film is n- knowing that those debates are happening right here, right now across the country. Um, this film provides uh, what I think is a really essential missing piece of the conversation, which is the kids themselves. Right. Let's know who we're talking about, you know, regardless of how we end up uh, deciding in terms of, you know, should they go to prison for the rest of their lives? You know, you can decide that one way or the other, but know who you're talking about. Get to know these kids. Right. Watch them grow up for a minute and and decide for yourself if you think they're redeemable. Yeah. And and um, by the way, we're speaking with uh, Ben Lears. He is the uh, director of a documentary called, they call us Monsters, a terrific film about uh, the criminal justice system and, and how uh, juveniles, people, uh, under the year, age of 18 are um, now and across the country still I think to this day uh, as 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 young as 11 years old have been tried as adults in in in, in adult cr- uh, court systems crawl uh, all across this country and uh, again that is the heart of the matter making these determinations and what's so frustrating for me Ben I, I have a little bit of a background I did politics before mm. a long time ago, and I was involved in the first iteration of the attempt to um, reform the three strikes law here in California back in 2006. Actually, oh, 2000, wow. 2004, actually. Yeah. actually. And, um, and with the frustration on my part was, I was a campaign manager, so I know a little bit about these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were within a couple of percent, we were within two weeks out, we were 60-40, we were gonna win, and then this drumbeat of just uh, insane, crazy allegations about who was getting out of prison, and uh, you know all that. We lost by two points. So I, I understand. Well, it only ta- I mean, it only takes one loud headline to precipitate you know years of 
of legislation. Right. Well, and, and my point in bringing this up, not to aggrandize myself into this conversation, except to say that it is exceedingly difficult. And you're absolutely right. It takes one polyclass. It takes one yeah. heinous, horrible, obviously despicable act to and 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 a kind of a, an amplification of this as somehow uh, indicative of, you know, a whole group of people let's be honest, right. in order to make this thing happen. Do these kinds well, of things I, happen? I, uh, the way that I've been thinking about it is when it comes to tough on crime and when it comes to public safety, you know, our politicians recognize that they can, you know, there's a bit of demagoguery going on. I think about them as like little Donald Trumps in a way, yeah. comparing these, these two things where they're, they are absolutely um, using our fear uh, of of street crime, et cetera, et cetera, to suggest that that could happen to you, um, and that these that these people responsible are uh, you know irretrievably lost and evil, mm-hmm. and 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 that rhetoric gets votes. You know that rhetoric won elections, so of right. course it was going to be perpetuated. Um, and and I think it also, like you were saying, how difficult it is to to beat that. Yeah. To overcome that, it says so much about, I think, where we're at as a country and, and where we're going that we're finally able, able to, uh, to start you know, looking at kids as different from adults specifically. And, and really, it, it really all comes out of uh, a, a new wave of, of neuroscience that's right. been released that suggests that through studies, juveniles you know, have, have, are much worse at, at gauging long-term consequences and, and uh, right. controlling impulsivity and risks and rewards and all sorts of things. Uh, you know, you took the, 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 there was a bill in California called SB9 that was going to allow juveniles that were sentenced to juvenile life without parole. It gives them a second chance opportunity. It says that a ju- and it's really echoing the Supreme Court and saying that a juvenile should not uh, be forced to die in prison without having an opportunity to get out. That bill took five years to pass. Yeah. And I've gotten to know the people that wrote that bill and fought for that bill every year. And every year they got maybe one or two more senators, one or two more congresspeople. So when SB 260, the bill we follow in the film, when that started to go through the legislature, they were super anxious. They, they, were, they were really you know, very sure that it was probably not going to pass the first time around and were amazed and surprised when it did. And it really says so much about about our willingness to reconsider these issues. I couldn't agree more. I, there's one, you know, one last thing. I mean, this kind of it, it is a this there is a cost benefit analysis to be done here too. We are our criminal population in adult prisons is aging to the point where it's costing us enormous sums of money, and these and these juvenile systems are feeder systems for an adult system that's already overtaxed and 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 too expensive and et cetera, et cetera. So there is a sort of a reality check in place as well on a lot of this. But where and what is so distressing for me is that so many other uh, so-called civilized, industrialized countries in the world treat th- this so much differently and so much more effectively than we do. Yeah. That it, yeah. it's not like we need to find an example. There's no examples of this anywhere. No, there's examples of this almost everywhere else but here. And so yeah. it's 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 really quite heartening. 
So let's get back to the film because I feel like we're off on a, a sort of a tangent. But it really is the heart of the film. It really is. So let's say it again. They call us monsters, and it is about this system, and but it's about these individuals as well, uh, Antonio, Juan, and Jared, and they're they're relatable, understandable. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and there's a lot of the. The, the bad and the good, the good and the bad, the up and the down, the, the behavioral issues in this film. It is not like this is, a, you know, a, 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 a unicorns and ice cream here. This is a this right. is a tough, fair minded, fair approach to to the issues that that are that they're facing. And, and we're we're privy to that. Well, I think every every time, you know, every time we get close to an ice cream cone, we have to slap it out of the person's hand, yeah. you know, to remind you, these kids are here for a reason. Right. You know, these kids have, have absolutely, you know, allegedly, because they're all awaiting their trials, but in many cases, they have committed the, the worst of the worst crimes. And, you know, I, it was really, really important to me to never shy away from that. And it was, and, and believe it or not, it was important to them too, because they want to, they want to effectively tell their own story and turn people's, you know, uh, open people's minds up to this issue. And if you tell something that feels rigged or one-sided, it's going to alienate a, a really a large amount of people that could have otherwise been affected by it. Well, and the people you need to reach as well in, the, exactly. in, the, in telling that story. And telling the story, <clears throat> it does feel like the country is coming back to a, a, you know, a more sensible approach. I don't think it's going to be a tough uh, slog through a lot of the country to to get this turned around because no politician ever was unelected because he was not hard enough uh, he was too hard on crime i should say so yeah. it, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing but i think cooler heads are prevailing the science is is, is solid and we have uh, we have enormous cost in, involved with this that are just unsustainable i i when i was again going back to when i was involved with that campaign at that time, that was 2004, at that time, in the last uh, 20 years before that, we had the, uh, California had built 21 prisons and one university in that period of time. And, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, the, the, what kind of a society are we talking about? What kind of priorities are we are we? I mean, it was, it was a wildly explosive yeah. uh, growth period for it, that system. Well, um, I, I want, so I, again, I want to let people know that the film is screening uh, at the uh, Los Angeles Film Festival uh, the festival, I believe, started uh, yesterday, but it runs through um, uh, next week. Uh, this film, They Call Us Monsters, will be screening uh, on Tuesday, uh, January 7th, at the Arclight Theater at 4.15. And, and as Ben had said earlier, uh, we'll be there for a question and answer. Well, one last question before I let you go. Um, sure. I know that you continue to be involved in these issues. What is your sort of outlook? And we haven't, you know, I want to let our listeners know, I would love to have talked more and more about uh, the kids, but I really want you to see this film because I think it's important for you to go in with fresh eyes and see these different stories and how they play out and how uh, Gabe's interaction with them. And it, it's it's just a wonderful watch. And I think... Well, uh, I actually, like, I, I like that we spent time on the issue because, uh, you know, it is important to say that, that the film, while it, it is dealing with these issues, absolutely, it, it's, it is so entirely about these kids and it is a really personal human story right. and the issues um, kind of manifest and, and uh, reveal themselves through 
the kids' stories. Yes. You know, it's not an issue film. So, yeah. so I like getting, I can, I'm happy to get deeper into the issue stuff because all of that's so important and, and should exist, in my opinion, outside of the confines of the film right. for people who see it, fall in love with these guys, um, and want to know more. Because yeah, it's told, it's 100% about them, and and I and the thing I'm the most proud of in the film is just, uh, you know, I think I think we did a a, a good job at showing them honestly yes, um, for yes. who they really are, and they just happen to be wildly compelling and like in in my opinion like kind of iconic uh, subjects. I mean, they're just really really compelling kids. <clears throat> right, and you are a storyteller, and that's what this is. It's a story that you're te- that is to be told about these three individuals, um, Antonio, Juan, and um, Jared. And so that's that's why you're in the theater. That's why you're watching this film. And then when it comes time for the Q and A, when it comes time for people to listen to this particular interview, we can dive into these issues. And 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 I think that yeah, that's, exactly. that, that's what we're that's what I hope to accomplish here. And uh, yeah. Well, all the best on this. I know, again, I know you're going to continue to work in these in this field. Uh, I certainly hope that you continue your, your hopefully you'll continue your your film career with this narrative film that you were talking about, as well as other projects. And um, all the best to you in moving forward, Ben, ben Lear. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Again, the film is They Call Us Monsters. The, uh, the director is Ben Lear. Thanks for being on Film School. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.